KK the other night. She's now partying. Like she's going out at night on weekends and going to parties. And so I just tossed the question out there and said, so like, was it like a kegger? Did they have beer? She goes, I mean, there's people drinking White Claws. I said, cool. Which one's your favorite flavor? And she goes, well, I didn't have any because I was driving. I was like, praise Jesus. And she said it very naturally. That's funny. So she didn't rehearse that at all. <laughs> if you say it enough times. Don't crush up my drink. If you say it enough times, you can convince yourself of anything. So she's been practicing. I'm very happy that she's a good scripter. Maybe we should hire her. <laughs> I'm Josh Sigmund. And I'm Bryn Rouse. I'm a mortgage guy with a passion for helping people with their money and all things business. Bryn is my co-host. And I'm a marketing girl. I am literally obsessed with it. Oh, and Josh has showed me how to save money. Quite a bit, actually. Because of her obsession, I hired her to do my marketing. And we've worked together for 10 years. We launched Sigmund Sense in 2020, a podcast about money. It's a podcast that teaches people how to save more, give more, create wealth, and retire early. And we recorded and published 34 episodes. People liked it, and it was so fun. But most importantly, we helped people. So we're excited to announce we're doing a second season. And we're mixing things up. We're moving away from money talks to focus on all things business, leadership, management, team building, book reviews, hiring, firing, operations, motivating teams, lead generation, time management, personality profiling, closing skills, and of course money and marketing. We are inviting you to continue this journey with us and we want your input. What topics would you like to see covered? Email all of your ideas to our podcast email address, sigmundsense at gmail.com. And be sure to click that subscribe button when you visit our channels. You'll get notified when we drop new episodes. Are you ready? Season two, getting down to business. Welcome to Sigmund Sense. Welcome back to Sigmund Sense. We are moving on with our discussion of your building a business. And uh, one of the most frequently asked questions is when should I hire? What should I do? Right. You know, what's Who the first hire? Be? What's the first hire look it? like? Yeah, how do I afford it and all that fun stuff? And you know, it's a very critical question. Um, you know, that yes, there are plenty of we'll call it moderately successful businesses that are do it yourself out of your you know um, out of your house. Um, shit, you can make a living as an Uber driver. Let's just call it that, right? So your little business is driving around your car and managing your expenses and making money, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you could um, make bracelets in your house and send them out and people will buy all sorts of weird shit on the internet. So there's <laughs> plenty, like seriously, there's plenty of ways to make money, but there, there are always, there is. Uh, we're, we're not talking about the oldest profession. I don't want I'm you to get... I'm not talking <laughs> about that either. <laughs> See, that was funny. Uh, just make sure you do. I just, I'm I mean, just I, I understand. That but there is. <laughs> you do know what the oldest profession is, too. I'm assuming hook, hooking. Hook. Absolutely. It's the oldest profession. It's the oldest profession in the world. Really? Yep. Someone fact check that, please. Canon. Feel fact free. Fact it's the oldest. Pro- yeah, feel free. It's the oldest <laughs> profession in the world. So, anyways, um, my point is, is that there becomes a critical time where you have to decide: Are you going to do this alone and hoof it, or are you actually going to grow a business? And the only way to do it without dying of working too many hours is uh, through other people, through leverage, yeah, right? Leverage. So you have a finite number of hours in the day and as you grow a business, whether it's in marketing and finance and operations and sales, there's always an issue that requires more time. At some point when you grow your business, there's no more time left to give and this is where you have to outsource, okay? So what we want to talk about for the next 30 minutes are a couple of tips on when to hire, who to hire, 
how to structure, what are some mistakes or mishires early on, um, kind of going through, prim- I'll be honest with you, primarily missteps that I had yeah. uh, doing this very early on, you know, um, personality differences that need to be addressed, uh, uh, w- what do you hire for and what do you fire over, all of those different elements that can be considered earlier and you'll have a better outcome sooner by learning from other mistakes like mine, okay? So I, okay, so you've told me, you know, a great place to start is when you feel like you are out of time or when you feel like you're at capacity, whatever that is, and when you're doing things that you don't want to do anymore, making a list of all of the things that you either don't have time for or don't want to do. Yeah. And, and that, and that is, list pr- uh, specifically comes from literally tracking what you do all, all day. day, every day on the half hour. So what I did for my first hire, because you're remembering this very well, is I literally, you know, get to work at seven o'clock, seven to seven thirty, seven thirty to eight o'clock. What was I actually doing for those periods of time? And I did that for I think three weeks was okay. what my assignment was. I think it was three weeks because I'm, I was being coached. I was gonna say and big, big takeaway. Yeah, and so what I took from that then is I took a highlighter and I literally went through and I highlighted what you said. Anything I didn't like to do, didn't have to do, or wasn't a, in the dollar per hour range I wanted to be at. Uh, There's lots of things that need to be done, but don't need to be done by the boss, the owner, right? Yeah. Um, And so that doesn't mean that those things aren't important or that the boss is above them. That is not what it means. Like uh, one of my ways I introduce myself to a lot of people is, hey, I'm the head janitor because I will pick up trash next to anyone. Like that's my truth. 100%. Um, 100%. But, um, but as a dollar, per, like when you measure a business and the number one job of a business is to make a profit, then you must spend more time in dollar productive activities. So what I want you to think is as a basic guideline, what are the green hours of the day and what are the red hours of the day? A green hour is any dollar productive activity hour. So yeah. in sales, as an example, so I'll just use my business because it's, it's easy for people to grasp. So I'm a loan officer. Okay, so in sales, it, uh, the dollar productive activities are chatting with a new lead, chatting with a pre-qualification, chatting with a contract, chatting with a potential referring partner, mm-hmm. chatting with an existing referring partner, and that's it. Now, there are things like you have to review docs, you have to pull credit, you have to make sure docs get to title in time, uh, you have to fix problems with an underwriter, you have to return calls from, uh, from leads from 6, 12, 18, and 24 months ago. Right. You've got to market. Oh, you've got to meet people for lunch. <laughs> you've got all these things that need to be done. <laughs> but those are red hours. So if you let's just use real estate as an example. Anyone that's bought a house knows what the MLS is. And so a realtor, when you call them and you say, hey, I want to buy a three-bedroom, two-bathroom house for 400000 in this neighborhood, they're putting those those uh, requests into MLS, multiple listing service. And then there's a drip campaign of any new house that comes to the market in that price range, in that area with those kind of Mm -hmm. parameters is being dripped on. Well, it's a $10 an hour activity to put that in the MLS for a realtor to actually input what you're looking for to create a drip campaign of here's everything going in the market should be done, needs to be done. You want that to be done, but it's a $10 an hour activity. Mm -hmm. So that is not, showing a client a house that is not writing a contract that is not a dollar productive activity. And so the basic starting point for, uh, when to hire 
is when non-dollar productive activities, red time activities, prevent you uh, from doing yeah. additional green time. Okay, so, so if say you that again ab- for the people in the yeah, back. Yeah, for the people in the back. Once you hit a critical point where the hours that you are able to work, whether that's because of family uh, restrictions or you're just fucking exhausted. Tired. Like- when you are at a capacity where the amount of red time activities supersede or prevents you or slow down what you should be doing with green time, that is an absolute indicator that you need to be hiring. Because in theory, what I did with my first hire is, you know, I went through this and literally I think it was like 70% of my working week was red time. I was busy. I was doing work. I was working 80 hours a week. That's the thing. And that's what people don't get. Yeah. You know, I was busy. busy. But I wasn't busy doing what my job is. My job is to make it rain to uh, it's a relationship building. It's to help people with their loan, not to review docs. Isn't it right? interesting how quickly though it um, it you get that flip flops? Like for some reason, I feel mm-hmm. like maybe because it's easier. I don't know if that's even right to say. I think there's some emotional there. Yeah, no one can do as good as me. Like right? it's easy how all of a sudden, like you know better than anyone that these dollar productive activities and their value. Um, but it's easy to get to, to mm-hmm. turn that on its head yep. and say, no, I need to be the one reviewing. Yep. No, I need to be the one signing this, doing that. Like, and I think it's a trap we all fall into. I think early on it is for sure. And this is going back to, I think an episode or two ago, we talked about what my definition of mastery is. Like the first step is you got to learn it. Second yeah. thing is you got to do it. But mastery is when you can teach it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. So when I hire people, it's my assumption that everyone can do things at least 80% as good as me. If they can, they're hired. 80%. That's it. Not perfect. 80%. If I get two people that are both 80% as good as me, they're still outproducing me in what they their workload is and what they oh can do, gosh, right? Yes. I hope everybody so heard that. Like it's 80% a, times two. <laughs> yeah, it's 160. Like yeah. that's still 60% more shit that's getting done than I could do by myself. And so, yeah. uh, and that's not to say that people are only 80% as good as me. I hire people that are, that are way good. better in some cases. Yeah. Like there's a few people on my team that like, I'll just give you, like you are way, 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 way better at marketing than I will ever be. Oh, or hope to be, right? Uh, Crystal's way better at operations yeah. than I will ever be. Yeah. She can f- fix problems in her sleep. Yeah. So the assumption has to be that you can find somebody or train them to be better than you and they're going to love doing the stuff that you hate. Love like doing this it. goes back to one of the things we talked about, which is personalities, mm-hmm. right? Totally. A lot of mistakes early on for me and for a lot of people is they hire people like them. Mm-hmm. So they'll hire a, if they're a uh, C personality, like overthinker and analytical person, they're attracted to other people that are analytical. Yeah. Well, that we means can, like who's selling shit? We can beat that shit right. out of this problem together. Right. <laughs> but we need problems to have, so <laughs> we, we need a salesperson, right? right? And the flip side is, is, is maybe you are the dreamer, salesperson, influencer, yeah. um, but somebody needs to keep you out of jail. Yeah. And so don't hire another person like you, like hire somebody that's the opposite. That's going to totally. watch your back and, and do the details and do yeah. the compliance or whatever else needs to be done. Fulfill the order. Keep your promises. Um, what I do love um, is that. And they you, love doing it, by the way. And they love doing it. But what I love is that, you know, it's the learn how to do it, then do it, do it and then teach it. I love nothing more than you know, that you can still jump back in and fix a problem when it's needed. I love nothing more that I can jump back in and do things, you know, to, mm-hmm. 
to help well, in that's an why area. you're never handicapped when somebody quits, gets fired, or dies, or I, because right, you can do it. Right. I mean, it's just, and I think that that's admirable one, and I think it is a quality of a good leader, right? When you can, when the team can see you jump back in and fix a file, make the call, t- tell them how to, you know, tell them how it's done. Watch, have them watch you fix. Like I think that's mm, just that's super cool. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. So. First step is highlight, red light, green light, right? Red time, dollar productive activities, green time, sorry, green time, dollar productive, red time, preventing you from making money, red light, right? Uh, in this exercise, by the way, one thing you should do is figure out what your hourly rate is, uh, yeah. which is yeah. literally just what your income was for the last 12 months divided by 2,040 hours, which is the number of hours in a year. Uh, 2,040 hours. <laughs> what? Well, just it's way. not the total. It's the 40-hour work week times 50 <laughs> Two weeks, right? Is that good math? 2040, that's, that's right. Um, You're reminding me of Weston. Right sorry. It's my eyes crossed and I'm doing my calculator thing. Um, <laughs> uh, so anyways, I digress. So my point though is that when you understand your hourly rate, then when you look at your calendar and you say, this is my hourly rate and is this a is this activity something I would pay somebody this rate for? Right. If the answer is yes, and pay them to do that because you can do other higher dollar productive activities. Totally. Um, so the other three bullet points I would give, and I'd love your, your take on what needs to be done or what the missteps are, is when you're doing that new hire, really you've got to have a top three really clear top job duties, top three job duties with metrics. So one of the unfortunate truths of the first hire is they become the person that grabs all this shit. The poor like first hire. They, they get poured on anything, yeah. whatever, whenever. And there are a couple bubbling great employees that can handle that. Yeah. The vast majority, you're setting them up for failure. Totally. So what I always re- refer to this as is is the uh, slash job duties. Oh. You are my secretary, oh. slash my marketing rep, slash my past client appreciation uh, uh, party planner yes slash my uh, my homework uh, doer yes. or you know slash my organizer slash my calendar manager slash 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 that will end very badly Whew. so the top three job duties then is derived specifically from when you look at your calendar and you're you're doing all this red time what are the top three things that if done by somebody else frees up the most time mm-hmm or gets you out of doing the stuff that you're not best suited to do. Yeah. Right. So the top three job duties are one thing, but the next step is it must have a metric to it as well. So I want you to do blank means nothing. I want you to do blank with an X number of hours means something. Yeah. I want you to, uh, uh, help our clients means nothing. I want you to get a 98% or better on surveys means something. Right. For sure. So, when we're, when we're hiring somebody, if we're really clear with our words of what the job is and how you're measured by it, then they can internalize, am I really set up to do this job well? Do I think I can do this? Right. Because no one's going to take a job that they think they're going to fail at. Here's no what I does. see most though. Here's what I see most with, um, I mean, oh, just so often. What do you, th- when you ask the question, what do you think you're interviewing for? That's really interesting. They have no idea. They have no freaking clue, which means that we're working out of a desperation environment. We need someone and they really need a job. So I don't give a shit what it is. I can do that. Yes, I can do that. And 
that's oh it, we were off to a really rocky start yep. from the very beginning yep. um and so yeah anyways best, no, I, I, best think that's a, I think <laughs> best that's a, a, i think that's very well said it's uh, it really what goes back to you, that what do you think you're applying yep. for <laughs> And then uh, the last piece of it is is the culture fit, uh, which goes back to understanding your core values. Like really, uh, I can't say this enough in enough episodes, but you, we, and I believe everyone should hire and fire based on their core values. So if you took the time up front in your business to understand who are we, what are we about, which could be just you by yourself. Yeah. Like these, uh, what I always say is if you don't know what your core values are, then you just decide what are your non-negotiables. Because all of us can put up with a lot of bullshit yeah. from people, from our spouses, from our kids. Sure. From, as long as they don't, don't hit the non-negotiable button, right, then right. you're going to be okay. Agreed. So what, where this comes into play in the hiring process is telling people up front how you're going to get fired. I love this. Right? Just tell yeah. people, not just, well, here's the top three job dues in the metrics. Do you think you're going to be good at it? Yes. Okay, cool. Let me tell you what my non-negotiables are and what will get you fired. Because I always find that if you know how you'll get fired... You're not going to take the job if you think you're going to do that, or you're just going to avoid those landmines. Either what way, we clarity. win. clarity. Like, that's just fair. Yep. That is just fair. And Here's I how to win. Here's yes, how you're going to lose. Yes, yes. And I guarantee that most people, most people listening have probably never told somebody, hey, Here's you want to know fired. exactly how you're going to get your ass fired. Yep. I mean, and what a fair question. Yeah. What a fair question. Um, <laughs> I don't really believe in this, but it's an interesting concept. There's a... Uh, there's a uh, there's something new, relatively new that's called a contract marriage. Have you heard of this before? Uh-uh. So you can you can Google it. It's pretty interesting, but uh, it, it's happening more and more where people literally get married with a contract. This is my expectations of you. This is your expectations of me. Oh my gosh! They literally do it. They re up it for a year every year. Oh my gosh! And this is what it is to be married to me. And so as long as you do these things, we're married. As long as I do so these. So it's things, like in conjunction with your prenup. right Um, man listen I I didn't say I agree with it but it's but what I do believe is that uh, employee employer relationships are a marriage without love totally now I love to bring love into it yeah but if you look at the essence the base the basic relationship of a business partnership or an employee employer relationship it is a marriage without love yeah and how many times I hate to say it for everybody that's listening that's married for any length of time that you've thought to yourself, mother, if I didn't have kids, if I didn't love them, if I didn't love you, I would be fucking gone. Bye. It's true in a lot of relationships. And so if you remove that glue, then what's yeah. left? And I, I really think that setting those clear expectations up front of this is how you win with me, this is how you lose with me, this is how we're going to measure that, that's really important that first hire. Now, that's to, in the interview process, but it also, that doesn't equate into how to make sure they're successful. So uh, I think the top three, the number three job duty of a leader is to remove obstacles. Yeah. So like how to make you successful. And you alluded to it already. Um, this is training. Like training. one of the things that is best about a small business is the ability to train a, a lot, a lot, mm-hmm. a lot, like to be attached to the hip, right? Um, like our relationship in business started with literally the first year we did everything together yeah every sales yeah. call every time all the time in the office you're listening on my loan apps make listen to make sales calls yeah. all you listen to it you watch it and it was a six months of watch me do it mm-hmm. six or three months of we're gonna do it together you're gonna lead it but if you get in trouble just hand it off to me yeah and then oh. three months of i'm gonna watch you if it if it's a win great if you crash and burn i'm gonna let you crash and burn <laughs> 
<laughs> and on the drive out, yeah. I'll tell you what I observed, yeah, right? for sure. But that one year, a little bit over actually, of on-the-job side-by-side training yeah. is not possible when you've got 50 people or 100 yeah. people in a company. So one of the advantages of that small team, that first hire, that second hire, the third hire, is you can really pour into and, and, mm-hmm. and grow people very rapidly yeah. as long as you're commonly yoked, as long as your core values are aligned, as long as you're clear about what the wins look like and what the losses are, you can really have some exponential opportunity there. Yeah. Um, what else do you have to add around that? Well, when to I hire mean, I hire? think, I mean, I think that's a great place to stop. I do think there's a lot more to expand upon on this topic, to be quite honest. Um, you know, I think trying to, and I think it's another episode to be clear. I think so it's, um, compensation y- has to be addressed. Yeah. Compensation. And how do you like, what do you really, how do you interview? You know, I mean, interview process compensation. Y- y- Let's make it a couple of parts. Yeah. Series. Yeah. Cause you know, it's the most important thing, right. To, to find good people and to maintain good people and to keep them. Yes. And to grow them and to grow them. Yep. So, um, so yeah. So I think that's a great starting point for our hiring series. Um, so I think we wrap it up there. And we'll ask questions, send comments. Since we're, we're going to do a couple uh, episodes about this. So if you want yeah. us to cover anything specifically, please let yes, us know. For sure. Or can you email us? Yep. Uh, email us at sigmundsense at gmail.com. Don't know where my camera went. Um, and you can find us on all the social platforms as well as iTunes and Spotify and Audible. I don't know if you've heard, but Audible is definitely okay. um, hosting our podcast, which is great. And um, yeah, it's a great episode. And like, subscribe, and share. If you know anyone that's thinking about buying, uh, sorry, um, building, starting a business, hiring, please share these episodes with them. And uh, we're here to help. Absolutely. We'll see you next time on Sigmund Sense, guys. Thank you. Cheers.